all right. Good morning, Resonate Church. How are y'all doing this morning? You look good. You look fresh. Music's still going behind me. All right. But to dance there for a moment. But I am, what a privilege it is for me to get to spend a few moments with you here this morning in our staycation message series. But before we get there today, a couple things. I just want to start by honoring our lead pastors, Pastor Shane and Pastor Rachel. It's almost two and a half years ago that they took a massive leap of faith in their own faith journey to plant Resonate Church. And we're just so thankful for your love and for your leadership in my life and in Rachel's life and our family's life and so many lives that have been touched in this room. Can we give it up for our lead pastors this morning? Come on, church. So good. I just want to also honor my wife, Rachel. Love you, honey. I get to serve alongside her here at Resonate Church. And we are in our staycation series. And I want to celebrate what God did last Sunday. Who was here last Sunday? Come on. A couple of you were here last Sunday. God did an incredible thing at our summer blast. I want to celebrate two things specifically. The first thing I want to celebrate is our Resonate Kids team. If you were out there, there was a level, like a next level that they put on out there. And I'm just amazed every single year. I don't know what to expect when I walk out there, but when I walk out there and I see families getting loved on and connected with and the food and the petting zoo and everything they did. Can we give it up for our Resonate Kids team right now? Jamala and her whole team. Incredible. Secondly, I want to celebrate you all for a moment. Because there was 14 new families that showed up last Sunday alone in one of our two services. There was 97 kids that were in our Resonate Church ministry over those two Sundays. And over 120 kids in general out partying it out in the parking lot. Can you give it up for yourselves this morning for the invitations that went out? Us parents know it can be a lonely season of parenting. So you guys were brave. You reached out. You made invitations. You brought friends and family in here to be connected with and loved on in the presence of God here. So thank you, thank you, thank you, church. Well, we are continuing in our staycation message series. And I believe that God, he's developing something inside of us. Something inside the culture of our church, in us as individuals. And it's something that I believe that we need to get right. It's not an option. We need to get this right. I believe that this, this could be the opportunity that we have to reach a city, to reach our friends and family with the love of Jesus. The next couple of moments today, I want to talk about what does a spirit of excellence look like when it's lived out through our lives? Have you ever had somebody look at you before like you were guilty of something that you didn't do? Like they're looking at you and they're like, you, you did something here, but you're like, I'm, a, I'm actually innocent. Well, Rachel and I, we lived in a condo back a couple years ago, just over the hill in Port Moody. About 18 months we spent in this condo building, and we loved it. And we had three kids, so it was a bit tight, but we, condo living was good for us. It was safe. It was simple. You know, everything had a fob and a key to get anywhere, so we felt safe. You know, our family did. And, you know, in condos, you're just doing life with everybody. Like, if you ever lived in a condo, you, just, you see people all the time, your neighbors in the hallways, in the parkade. You see them out uh, in the lobby and down the street, you know, walking to the park. You see them all the time. Whether you want to or not, you're doing life with everyone. It's like a, it's like a frat house for families is what it is, right? So we're living there, and, and we love it, and it feels safe. But then soon after we moved in, there was, uh, there was some rumors going around that there had been some break-ins in the storage units down in the parkade. You kind of know how that works, right? There's, there's some locked-out storage units down in the parkades. And so uh, we had heard the rumors, and sure enough, the next day, Strata slams a big old message right in the elevator saying, sure enough, it's true. 
there have been break-ins and the police are investigating. Uh, and, and to be aware, high alert for any suspicious behavior that might be going on, right? Keep your eyes open, keep your ears to the ground, be looking out for anything that may seem off. Well, this is right around the time uh, when our church truck and trailer got stolen, and some of you remember that early on, our entire church truck and trailer literally got stolen during the week. Sunday morning, we showed up, and it wasn't there. And so about this time, we actually found our truck and trailer. And that's a whole other story. And some of our gear at a pawn shop. But in the next few weeks, while the, while the police were processing uh, the trailer, my Honda Fit became our second church trailer. And a lot of our audio, video gear, like our expensive gear was sitting, Bailey's nodding her head, it was sitting in Rubbermaid bins. And every single week, this would get put into my Honda Fit, and it would get moved from my parkade up into our condo. Rachel despised me. One of our rooms was packed full of, I mean, I loved it, right? Gear everywhere. She hated it. She hated it so much. It was one Saturday night. And I was coming back from an event that we had been doing at Resonate, and, and I'm transporting some gear. And I'm standing, I'm standing in our elevator, and I've got one of our big screen TVs that the church owns. And it's a big TV, and I'm holding it. I've got it in my arms, and, and there is a power cord hanging out of the back of it. The HDMI cable is still hanging out of the back of it. And I'm, and I'm keenly aware that this just doesn't look good, right? It's late. It's a Saturday night, and I'm standing there holding. Like, like this, this definitely does not look like my TV. Like, there, there's a good chance that this came off of someone's coffee table that I do not know. And I'm standing there in this elevator praying to God, if you are real, please do not let anybody see me in this elevator right now. So I'm standing there praying. It was a short trip because we're like in the parkade. All of a sudden, ding. And we show, slow down. And there, the doors open at the lobby level. And this elderly gentleman is standing there with his puppy staring at me. And the look on his face, like I might as well at that point have been wearing a balaclava and a ski mask. I'm standing there holding this TV. And we knew this man. We knew him. Like we had seen him all the time, right? And coming and going, he had seen me with my kids. He had seen me with, with Rachel, you know, showing the kids how to ride their bikes out front, how to ride their scooters, loving on them, encouraging them. He'd seen me as my, at my best as a dad. We'd seen these things. Now he shuffles into an elevator while I'm holding this TV that, TV that does not look like mine. And that was the most awkward eight second. I don't care what you say. You've had some awkward elevator rides with people you don't know. That is the most awkward eight second elevator ride. Because I'm not about to tell him what I'm doing. Like explaining that in eight seconds. Like I'm a pastor at a church. And I'm just like this is not going to work. Like he's like there's just no way. Until the next morning. It's Sunday morning now. Now I'm coming down the elevator, and I've got a projector under one arm. I've got a Tupperware full of random mics and cables in the other, and I've got pieces of our church drum set just scattered around my feet, praying again to the God in heaven, please, God, ding, lobby doors open, and the same gentleman and his dog are staring at me. But I wonder sometimes... If this isn't how the world around us sees Christians. Like there's a disconnect between what I saw you saying and doing yesterday, hanging out with your wife and your kids, and what I see you doing today. Like I saw you just a couple days ago, hanging out, encouraging your kids, loving on your wife. But today I see you doing something so uncharacteristic of who I see you to be or who you say that you are. And church, I want to start by encouraging you this morning that it doesn't have to be that way. 
that God has put already a spirit of excellence inside of you. And that has nothing to do with what you feel talented at or what you don't feel talented at. It is an attitude. It is a spirit by which how we go about doing things in our lives on a consistent basis. So this morning, I want to go to God's Word. I want to take a look at the story of Daniel. I want to look at his life. He lived with the spirit of excellence inside of him. And I want to pull out some application for us today in 2019 that we can live by. So here's a little bit of the backstory. Daniel, he's an Israelite, and the nation of Israel was captured, captured by the Babylonian people, who were like the superpower at the time. So there's Daniel and three of his close friends, and they're living in a different, in a foreign nation. But he was young, and his buddies, they were good-looking, they were talented. And so the king actually, they recruited them into the king's court for them to be groomed for leadership in the palace. And now Daniel increased in favor as he served in the palace. And we're going to pick it up here in Daniel chapter 6. It says, It pleased Darius, who was the ruler at the time, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. So there's 120 leaders of different individual areas. Over, over them were three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. I love how the uh, New International Version translation says it. It says, Daniel distinguished himself. So there's this young man in a foreign country who says, he just decides in his heart, I'm not going to live like everybody else. I'm going to live differently. And we see the excellence in his life. We see his favor and his influence growing to the point where the king said he, uh, he was distinguished above all other high officials. And why was that? What did he have on his life? It goes on to say, because an excellent spirit was in him. Didn't say that he was more talented didn't say that he had greater abilities than everybody around him. Because there was an excellent spirit and excellent attitude in everything that he did. You know, you don't have to be the best guitar player. You don't have to be the best public speaker. You don't even have to be the smartest person in the room. If you embrace godly qualities with the right attitude, you will stand out. You just will stand out. And here's the result of that. It says, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Church, we live in a world that is desperate to see a consistent display of excellence in somebody, anybody, a consistent display of excellence and character. So this morning what I want to do is I want to go and see how do we, where does the spirit of excellence start inside of us? How do we sustain that spirit of excellence? And then how do we end what end? What's the end result of the spirit of excellence inside of us? Now, Daniel, his journey started out early on. So I want to go to Daniel chapter 1 and see. So Daniel, he, him and his three friends, they're there. They've brought, been brought into the king's court. And here's what it says in Daniel 1 verse 5. It says, the king assigned them a daily portion. So them being Daniel, his three friends, and all the other young men that had been recruited into the king's uh, service. He assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So these young men were given what was perceived by the king to be the best of everything, right? The best food, the best wine, the best education, the best accommodation. He was giving it all to these guys. But then Daniel, he pushes back in verse 8. Here's what he says. We don't see this coming, but Daniel 
resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Well, this goes way beyond the dietary restrictions of the people of Israel at that time. It wasn't about the food. It was more so about Daniel in a very honorable, healthy way, a well-thought-through way, pushing back against the king to say, I actually want something different for my life. I want my life to be different. So they tested him out for 10 days, him and his three buddies. They tested him and said, okay, if this is true, we'll give you 10 days on your diet, and we'll see the fellows with 10 days with the king's diet. And sure enough, after the 10 days, it says in Daniel 1.15, at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the other youths who ate the king's food. So they, the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. And all the vegetarians in the house said a good amen. A couple of you here. My wife, Rachel. <laughs> but see, Daniel resolved. I love that word resolve. Here's what it means. Firm in purpose or intent. He was determined. I believe that a spirit of excellence inside of us, where it starts, is it starts with conviction. It starts with a fire inside of us that says, I'm just not okay with okay. I'm not okay with average. I'm not okay with the status quo. I'm not okay with what everybody else is doing. Church, nothing has ever changed the world or is going to change the world if it's just okay. It just won't. So let's make this personal for a moment. If you're taking notes today, you write this down, maybe just in your own mind, answer the following statement. Or finish the following statement. It's not okay that blank. It's not okay that. We did this with our ministry team leaders. We pulled them all together for a meeting and we asked them the same question. We said, said, it's not okay that. And we had them answer the question. Here's some of the answers that came back to us. It's not okay that someone from our city went all day today without being told that they were loved. It's not okay that our cities view church as boring and outdated. It's just not okay that there are kids in the foster care system who don't have a loving home. It's not okay that Christians are living beneath God's calling in their life. It's not okay that marriages that could make it if they only had the hope of Jesus are instead ending. And what is it for you today? What's that conviction inside of you? What is it for? What breaks your heart when you walk around your city, when you go to work? Is there something inside of you that breaks your heart that you are not okay with? If you haven't noticed by now, I'm a, I'm a fairly passionate guy. I can get fired up. I can get a bit emotional at times. Uh, poor Pastor Shane. We're like sitting in Starbucks, and I'm talking way too loud, like over and above the music. And he, he's constantly like, he's like, Shh. he's like, bring it down. I don't even notice. I'm just so loud. I just, I love I get fire, I get something stirred up inside of me, I get excited, right? I get passionate about it. But here's the problem with fires. Is that when you've got a contained fire, and, not, and you don't tend to that fire, what happens? Right, it just, it just <laughs> burns down the house. It, it could burn down the house, but it just, it fizzles, right? If you don't attend to a fire, it fizzles, and it eventually goes out. So what do we do when conviction starts to drop? It's great to start out all fired up, but what do we do when conviction goes away, when emotions start to settle down, how do we stay the course? How do we do things well over the long term? I believe that if, it, if a spirit of excellence inside of us and inside of our church starts 
with conviction, it's sustained by discipline. It's sustained by discipline and the decisions that we make every day, moment by moment. See, I'm a church kid. I grew up in Kelowna, in church, going to youth. Anybody youth convention, anybody? The back row, a couple of people got in youth convention. Here we go, Josh is raising up his arms. But we would go to youth convention once a year. So we're in Kelowna. We get on that big yellow school bus, and we would head to Kamloops every year. And back in the day, you know, I was a bit of a rebel. Uh, at least I thought I was. And so I'd be rolling that bus with my disc man. I don't know if you guys remember those things, right, with those little Frisbee-like things that go inside, right? And I had my Case Logic uh, CD wallet. I had my wallet, and I had a bunch of rap CDs in there. Like, I, I loved rap. That was a little bit of my way of just rebelling. And so I had you know, some Tupac and some Biggie, some Bone Thugs and Harmony. Come on, anybody? Don't act like you're holier than thou. I know you know exactly, exactly who I'm talking about. But we would go to youth convention, me and my buddies, and every year the same thing would happen. Is that at some point in those two days, God would show up in a really real way in our hearts. I mean, if you grew up in church, you know, and grew up in youth group, it was typically when delirious hit the chorus of when you feel the mountains tremble, and everyone is crying, and we're hands raised, we're laying hands on each other, we're praying for you. Like, this was the youth group experience. And I would get in the bus the next day, and we take our rhapsodies, we're throwing them out the window as we drive, drive down the highway. Just so much conviction and fire inside of us, throwing them, they're bouncing down the highway, and all of our friends were like, yeah, we're done with this sinful life. And we're, we're like, so much emotion and passion. But where was I less than a month later? I'm standing in line at HMV, picking up the exact same CDs again. This has nothing to do whether hip-hop music is good or bad. This was I had conviction in a moment, but I didn't have the discipline to make some of the small decisions in my life. And the Apostle Paul, we see this in his writings to the church in Corinth. Pastor Paul, he penned two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy's got some clout. We need to listen to this man today. Here's what he says. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So he's likening our life to a race that we're running. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't live my life aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Church, we're going to sustain a level of excellence in everything that we do. We get fired up with conviction, but the discipline inside of us, in the small moments when no one's watching, in the big moments when everybody's watching, these are the moments that will sustain a spirit of excellence in your life and in the life of our church. Now, discipline shows up often in the life of Daniel. And we see that going back to the story of Daniel. So he's in the king's court, and he's with his buddies, and they're being groomed. And he's raising up in influence and power. He's been given these different positions. We just read, right? He was top three in the entire nation. And some guys come along. And they don't like Daniel. They don't like what he's doing. They're jealous of the influence that he's getting. It's interesting, even in our own lives, where we can feel jealousy when we see somebody else doing something with the spirit of excellence. And we want what they have, but we're not disciplined enough in our own selves to do what they did to get there. It's true, isn't it? So these men, they trick the king into creating this law that says that you cannot pray to any other god but the king 
And I love Daniel. This is the first thing that he does when he hears of this new law. Daniel 6.10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, literally the, the, the leader had just signed off, the king had just signed off in this new decree, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Oh, Daniel, he had conviction, right? It takes some serious conviction to, in the face of this new law, knowing that the lion's den is the result if you pray. And he walks up to his room. And it wasn't just conviction, though, that there was discipline. This is what he did every day. The same room. The same time. He prioritized God on his calendar every single day. It was a discipline of his. Next Sunday is August the 4th. And we're starting in, a, in 21 days of prayer here at Resonate Church. And we do this twice a year. We do this in January. Uh, we do prayer and fasting. And then we do this in August, 21 days of prayer. Just a moment where, as a church and individually, we just lean into further times of prayer. And over the course of those 21 days, uh, we have booked a room at the Poirier Rec Center uh, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we're just going to get together and we're just going to pray, starting on August the 10th. And I just love that these moments, they get us out of our regular Saturday morning routine. You know what I'm talking about? It gets us out of our routine and gets us together in a place where we can experience God, His presence, and lean in and pull our faith together. So if that's of any interest to you today, it's open to anybody. You can come join us starting August the 10th, 8 to 9 a.m., at the Poirier Rec Center. But I love seeing discipline lived out in the life of our church. I see it all the time. I run a men's small group that meets every Friday at 6 a.m. at Starbucks over the course of our Resonate Group season. And I don't know, like, let's be honest, nobody is getting up at 5 or 5.30 a.m. on a Friday unless you've got a job to go to or unless your kids bless you with waking you up that early, right? But I see it every week is I see these men show up and I look around the table and I see them caring for one another and doing life together with each other, encouraging one another, praying for each other. And it wasn't easy, but they made one simple decision and that decision was this, I'm just gonna show up. I'm tired. It's like the night of the living dead, these guys walking in sometimes. Like you're just sitting there and all these guys are just zombies walking in, right? Myself included. They're tired, they've had long weeks at work. Their family situations, they may not be good, right? But they've made a decision, not an easy decision, but they've disciplined themselves to show up at 6 a.m. They have prioritized God in their calendar. Church, if we're gonna, we can't just be sustained by conviction in our heart. That's gonna die. We need to be disciplined to put God number one in our lives. If we're gonna live with a spirit of excellence in everything that we do. So it starts with conviction. It's sustained by discipline. What's the end result? I believe that when you add conviction with discipline, what you get in the end is you get influence. You get influence. It ends with people seeing your life and being like, there is something different about what they're doing. It ends in people not just feeling or hearing that you care about them. It ends in people seeing that you care for them. And church, you're doing this. I see it all the time. Last Sunday at Summer Blast, the story came out of that Sunday where there's a team member. She's been inviting a certain mom to church for a long time. Been inviting this family to church and it was a no, it was a no, it was a no. 
And finally, persistence prevailed and they said yes. And they showed up and they loved it. We saw people surrounding them and encouraging them and getting in community with them because she decided to not let up. The spirit of excellence says, I'm just not going to give up. I got to know a hundred times I got to know. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be persistent in my invitation. Another story that came out of last week. Another mom, she had showed up and she was new. And she was a single mom. She had some kids with her. And one of our team approached her and chatted with her and talked with her. Got to know her a little bit. Asked her a really interesting, more of a deep question saying, how are you doing being a single mom? And she said, lonely. It's just lonely. And we had the, team, we had the opportunity in the moment to, to introduce her to some of our team and introduce her to some of the moms in our moms group that we'll be meeting come September. Moms, you're doing it. For all the moms in the room, you have an influence in your city and in your mom group that's beyond what you even know as you love those moms, as you care for those moms. You're preaching the gospel with your life. That's what you're doing before a word even comes out of your mouth. You're preaching the gospel by how you love and you serve other moms. I'm proud of you moms in the room. You know, last Sunday, Pastor Shane, he's supposed to be prepping a message for us. And he walks out and he sees some head-high weeds. You've seen those weeds outside, right? He saw those. He said, we need to get rid of those weeds. So he did an all-call. If you're in our dream team, you know this. That he said at 9 a.m., he's like, let's all grab some weeds and get them out of here. And then Willem, he comes, he comes over the top. Will comes to me and says, Pastor Troy, he's like, I got a weed whacker about two blocks away. I'm going to go grab this weed whacker. And I'm like, brother, you go do what you need to do. I come back a few minutes later, and he has mowed this entire thing down. Church, we sweat the details because it matters. It's not just weeds. It matters. We're going to invite our city to our church and set up a place for them and their kids to get connected. It matters. We sweat the details. What we do in our life matters. It matters. There's a quote from D.L. Moody hit me this week. It says, out of a hundred men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. It matters. This is our opportunity. This isn't a burden we carry. This is an opportunity, church. This is our moment with conviction in our hearts, with the discipline to make decisions to stay the course and to steward the influence that God brings you in your life and us collectively as a church as we live in a spirit of excellence in everything that we do. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back and join me on stage. We're gonna go back into a time of worship. Y'all can just stand up for a moment. We're gonna go back into a time and just worship God and open our hearts up to Him. But maybe you're here today and maybe there was a dream inside you that has died. There was at one time conviction in your life for something. And it's died or it's either died or it's gone dormant. I believe in the next few moments, as we go into a time of worship, that God can reignite that fire inside of you. That he can bring back those lost dreams that you had inside of you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need some more discipline in your life. Like you're like, Pastor Troy, I don't even need to think about it for a moment. I know exactly where in my life what I'm doing, the decisions I'm making does not line up with what I believe to be true. And in, this, in these next moments, as we just lift our hands and we give it, go all in with God, my prayer is that we wouldn't stand with, with guilt or with shame on us, but we would just open our hearts up to receive from God the healing 
and the hope and the purpose that can be found in him alone. So God, this morning, we open our hearts up to you. God, we worship you this morning. We want you to do something new and fresh inside of us. God, we believe you can do this. You can do this. So we lay it all down before you this morning, God. We love you. We love you. Come on, church. Let's lift our voices and worship God together this morning. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promise to be. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I
place. He's doing something in our lives today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Maybe you're here today in the room and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And today is the day God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and once you were close to God and now you find yourself far away from Him. I don't mean a little bit of sin in your life. I mean you find yourself far from God and today you want to come back. Church, it is by faith that we are saved, by grace through faith. We can't get this wrong. It's not about us doing things in excellence to receive our faith. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how. So the decision to follow him, the decisions that we make, the most important one to say, God, I put you at the front of my life. I may not have all my questions answered. I may have my doubts. God, today I put you as number one in my life. If that's you today, in a moment, I'm going to get you to do something brave. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out. I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand quickly to say, Pastor Troy, would you include me in that prayer? If that's you today and you want to make a faith decision to follow Jesus, would you just slip up your hand right now? Just really quick, catch my eye. All over the room. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Whether you raised your hand this morning or maybe you didn't, but in your heart that you wanted to, would you repeat this prayer after me? Come on, Resonate Church family. Let's, let's repeat this prayer together. Say, dear God, today I give you my life, my full surrender. I choose to follow you. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again to forgive my sin. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your mercy on me. Help me to live like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said a good amen and amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together today and celebrate those that made that decision? Come on.